This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. I'm sorry, I'm a few minutes late. I just got back from Alaska, and I can't oh, ca- and I can't catch up. I've been back for three days. I can't catch up on my sleep. I can't get my crap done. I come back from there exhausted, man. I bet. I go there every year for a week or two. My family has a cabin up there. I don't feel bad though. No, yeah, I, I'm not one to be pitied in any dimension of human life. I'm not one to be pitied. Uh, yeah, last- I've got my own. I've got my own mental demons, but uh, but in terms of material, my material situation, I can't hardly complain. None of us can. None of us. None of us. The vast majority of us in the United States can't complain. You know, really, when you look at the desperation that exists in society in society in parts of the world, right. Oh, yeah, no, when they say, like the old saying, take every day, you know, don't take every day for granted or however you say it. It's fucking true. Mm-hmm. Because like you could have a gripper right now. Yeah, we're you just know. bodily we're just bodily organs floating around, you know. People, yeah. It's like my, my three-year-old and six-year-old is how fragile their bodies are. Like, oh. Like, you can play with this knife, but do you realize this knife can slip right in your guts and kill your brother, right? Oh man, I never, yeah, I never had to experience that feeling. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, man, oh man, yeah, they are fragile little beings. Oh yeah, and it's a lot shorter distance from the tip, from the outside of the skin to a vital organ with them. Oh yeah, they're they're like bouncy balls, I swear, but they just don't understand what you know how fragile they really are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that last comment you made is true too. It's like, sure, a puncture wound. This is a really macabre topic. Topic is probably more dangerous, but they can, they can the the things they can do to their bodies and suffer no consequences are amazing. I was ice fishing out on this big reservoir about fifteen twenty years ago, and there was these, and the ice was super smooth, and these kids were sitting on lawn chairs, and it was, and it was real windy. And they'd pick their feet up, and that chair would start hauling ass across the ice with them on it. <laughs> and I, I honestly feel like those chairs were getting up to like 20, 25 miles an hour. And then they'd hit some little imperfection in the ice, and down they'd go, and they just scoot along the ice. It, yep. it, that would have been a broken hip for me even 20 years ago, you know? Oh, yeah. And then they'd get up, grab that chair, laugh, laugh about it, and go do it again. Oh, yeah. My six-year-old and all his cousins are all, they're in the four-wheeler phase. They started riding them and started getting good and hitting the jumps and, like, really understanding it. But it's absolutely terrifying. Mm. Like you Your were, six-year-old like, is on a four-wheeler. Oh, yeah. Yep, and the three-year-old, he'll get on the dirt bike with me. He's got his little tractor he rips around. But it's, and I had to remind myself, you know, on my little dirt bike that I tool around with them is, you know, I'm not 18 anymore. I yeah. fall. I Where are you? You're, you're in Connecticut? Yeah. Um. So when you ride, there's some national forests you can ride around in. Yeah, we have we have some. It's not as liberal as out west. There's a, I'd say ninety percent of our parks, if not more, are 
non-motorized. Um, so it's all walking trail, but I have, we have some land here, some family land and my buddy's got a couple of farms. So we, we have plenty of private places to ride, but public <laughs> legally, there's not many places. No, to okay. ride. Yeah. But there's many places you can ride. Yeah. Illegally. Yeah. There's a, I don't even know what some of the land ownership designation is where I grew up. That's so weird to think about. I should get on Onyx and look. Um, but all the all the haunts that I spent so much time in as a kid, I don't even know what the ownership was. I know they were public, but yeah, we are a private land. You have to have written permission to trap or hunt by the landowner. Oh, like signed everything on you at all times. That's I'm, pretty strict on private land. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just not enough to have a handshake deal. No. Yeah, here in Montana, you could, you can't set traps below the high water mark without the adjacent landowner's permission. Yeah, we're similar here too. Are you a trapping man? I am. Oh yeah, I, I fell in love with trapping when I was a kid. It's a blast. Mink, muskrat, raccoon, beaver, uh, mainly. Mainly coyote, fox, beaver. I do a lot of nuisance removal too. So nuco work, nuisance wildlife removal. I do that on the side, but recreationally trapping, I love coyotes. Coyote because they just drive you mad, especially around here. They're so educated. Oh, they're pretty tough, huh? Yeah, like you when I was a kid, you you knew a couple trappers in like my dad's sportsman's club. You know, a couple. Now good luck finding anybody that traps. You know, I got one buddy that's serious like me one or two that kind of enjoy it but yeah it's and you have to have 10 plus acres of private land to trap state land gets really regulated and you have to draw special permits so it's to do it legally and to do it cross your t's dot your eyes there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of rules but we say they're highly educated but there's fewer trappers highly educated to hunting call okay. it man oh okay so okay when i was when i was younger and there were trappers around like every farm i hunted there was somebody trapping there and when i and i was learning and trying to trap i had a hell of a time like i was i thought i was terrible like wow what is what am i doing wrong fast forward a couple you know years later i'm now an adult those guys that were trapping are now old retired gone now i got fresh coyotes that haven't been trapped so last season we trapped seven coyotes but to call them when i was a kid before electronic callers, you had the mouth call. So we would do, we called in so many coyotes and we would, we would always double up me and a buddy. We'd hunt together. One would have a rifle, one have a shotgun. The guy with the shotgun pretty much always got the shot because the coyotes came running in. Fast forward to now, it's the opposite of trapping where every Tom, Dick and Harry can go to Cabela's and get a hundred dollar electronic caller. When I was a kid, they were 1500 bucks. Nobody had them. Now everybody has an e-caller. Everybody blasts the dying rabbit call. Properties are so small around here. You're educating a, you know, you got little acreage, little five acre parcels, one acre, two acre, ten acre pieces. Everybody's coyote hunting there. Think how many coyotes are getting educated. Mm. I don't know how far coyotes travel. Do you so think now, they get educated by coming in and then smelling a dude, or do you think they get educated by getting shot at and missed? I'd say, well, th the th reason coyote, I'd say they get seen and smelled because okay. our woods are so thick. It's like it's 
it's a miracle to get a hundred yard shot in an animal around here. Yeah, you know, and all else equal, he's probably gonna come in from yeah. downwind, right? And he he could be hundred yards away. Think about it in the thick timber. He's sitting on an outcrop near a hill up in elevated position. He's looking at you. He could be upwind. It don't matter. He could pick you out. You're yeah. Most guys, yeah. You know, are moving too much or yeah, or they just get downwind. And they hear that same sound, that same dying rabbit. Yeah. The Anderson dying rabbit, squealing jackrabbit. You know. Chickadee. I wonder how long that lasts with them. Like if they they get cued into it one year, are they back to vulnerable at the beginning of the next year, or are they already like? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, you wonder, or is it like a trap where you know they could get they they kind of have something figured out, they know something isn't right, but then a couple nights later they just can't resist. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then they fought, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I want all the time. I I uh, I certainly wouldn't want to challenge you on this, but I, I I struggle with foot trapping. Like I grew up, I grew up mink and muskrat and and yep. and beaver, you know, and I'm still totally down with that. So like, I just struggle with the animal being in the trap overnight. And I know that's a minority position in the hunting community. It's a majority position in society as a whole but um, yeah i can't stand watching animals suffer a lot through my past career but with coyotes i'm the same way but in reality i know they don't suffer really if you get there in a timely manner mm -hmm. i know it, it would suck to get caught but we uh in connecticut you can't legally if you if you trap a bobcat in connecticut you have to let it go so dp did a cool study where they would uh radio collar them. so they radio collared a bunch of trapped bobcats so last season we trapped one and it was a big male he had been on this farm i don't know if it was the same one but i had seen a big male multiple times bow hunting for deer and we caught him in the trap so and it was way back in the middle of the farm both my buddy and i his farm he was at work i was i was working we were both slammed so the easy thing to do would be to put a 22 in its head and get rid of it but we had the kids with us well, he, he has three kids. I have two boys. We're like, you know what? Let's turn this into a learning experience. Let's show the kids, you know, who, how often you get to see a bobcat at three feet away, you know? Oh, yeah. The whole thing, I notched a piece of plywood, put it over the, the leg of the, you know, push the bobcat back, put it over his leg. And it was cool because I get to say I tickled a bobcat's foot, live bobcat. So yeah. I trap, rubbed his foot a little bit. He grabbed it and he took off like nothing happened. He stopped at like 100 yards, looked back at us. It was cool. Oh, that's neat. I had one. I had one watch me take a shit from three feet away one time. <laughs> oh yeah, they're curious. That was. I mean, the other ones I've seen are like when they see me, they are gone. But that dude, he he was, yeah, just had a different temperament. Oh, one yeah. time I had a fox come into my camp when I was bow hunting and hang out. Oh, yeah. I'm there in the dark making sandwiches. And in the evening and he, I look up and there's his eyeballs like in my flashlight, you know, my headlamp about 10 feet away. I don't know how, cause I hunt with pack llamas and they were all strewn out around my camp. I don't know how they didn't pick up on him because they huh. don't miss a trick normally, but somehow he slunk in there. And if they had seen him or heard him, they would have, they make a God awful, alarm call it kind of sounds like a a horse whinnying you know but not what they, as, 
would they defend themselves like stomp oh man yeah Yeah. i think they would i mean the what to watch them fight with each other i i pity the fox sized creature that would try to mess with a llama but yeah he was he came in i felt like i was timothy treadwell you ever see grizzly man that documentary i've heard of it i never watched that's my favorite documentary i think it's beautiful now like was he a was he a fruitcake yeah but like the footage that he got you know he was in Katmai, and he was kind of like a he, he he fancied himself a protector of brown bears does this ring a bell didn't he get eaten yeah he did he and his girlfriend yeah i do remember but that man i am telling you what the footage in that that he got of brown bears is astounding like there's a yeah. lot of you're just watching him talk to the camera and say crazy shit but right. the footage is unbelievable like grizzly bears fishing for salmon in pools in these rivers where they would just you watch him jump off the side of the bank and go down in this clear mountain river and you can see him down there 10 feet underwater like wow. swimming after salmon that's sweet yeah but i mean the whole movie the whole two hours or whatever it is you have a elevated heart rate there is so much foreboding going on and the the documentarian is warner herzog i don't know if you know him that german german filmmaker he's made a ton of documentaries and dramas he, he yeah. he's 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 a he's a He's a strange guy, but man, what a great filmmaker. You know that you ever see you ever watch uh you ever watch Mandalorian? Oh yeah. Yeah, my son was was all about that. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. I love oh, that uh series. I thought it was hilarious. There's a lot of funny shit in there. But anyway, oh. remember the first few episodes where there's this creepy old dude talking about the asset? And the asset turns to be out to be the little baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Werner Herzog. Okay. Yeah. I got you. I don't know how we got on that topic, man. How do we get on that? Oh, foxes. Oh, now I know why. Because he always had foxes hanging around his camp. And that was the, when this little, when this fox came in, he wasn't a little fox. He was a big fox. He was beautiful to my camp. The only reason I didn't think that I had like some kind of animal communication ability or that I was like Grizzly Adams or something was because I'd watched that documentary. If if not, I would have thought that I had like somehow become an animal whisperer, <laughs> you know. And then I did something I shouldn't have done. I gave him a bunch of like meat and cheese scraps. Oh, he's a friendly one. Yeah, he's super friendly. Oh, cool. I think I could have fed him out of my hand if I would have thought to, but I was just uh, dropping. It, yeah, they would be a cool pet. I always said that. Beautiful tail on him. Beautiful yeah. long tail. You know. So you have a, you have a company called Wild Edge, and you make tree saddles, and yeah. you make these really cool steps. Would you? Would you tell folks a little bit about your company? Yeah. 
it uh started about eight years ago um i started this company with uh basically myself and my wife um i grew up with the inventor of the step ladder it's a climbing system it's a three-point climbing system Works what's it called it's called the step ladder okay and the reason it's called the step ladder s-t-e-p-p is because the inventor's name is jim step okay so I'd, I'd known jim since i was 14 and uh long story short been using this product my whole life hunting with him every year and then i was I, I was in the army traveled a lot and then my job after college doing suburban deer management traveled a ton basically you know married my wife said goodbye to her didn't see her for six months dream job I, I killed deer for a living all around the world it was the coolest job you could ever ask for wow i was also living in you know all around the world in hotels with dudes so i wanted a family i wanted a farm i wanted kids you know i wanted a dog well, you can't do that when you're living on the road for six to eight months a year so jim step was still closing me he said hey why don't you take these steps and see what you can do with the power of the internet because he tried selling them back in the 90s before the internet through ll bean kittery trading post jay sporting goods so you know some pretty big stores but that was back in the day when you know hey do you want to carry my product here's the flyer here's the paper pamphlet you know pre-social media pre-internet everything um he kind of got worn out trying to do it so he said hey why don't you see what you can do with with these with these steps so it was you know we tried we tried we were gonna do this do that do this do that and uh i'm the kind of guy where i'm like just fuck it you know hands back head head forward let's go dive in i don't really think much i just dive into stuff and figure it out so we did um jim and i had a handshake agreement you know how we're gonna do this and then that's what started me so that's what that's what started wild edge was a step ladder that one product will you explain and, how the product how those steps work and what their yeah. advantages are over say like a screw in step so the advantage so the steps are it's a three-point system you have two standoffs at the top they come down to a v-pick and you have a braided polypropylene rope on it so it goes around the tree spliced onto one end the other end is where you it's basically a triangle with a tension a lever and a tensioner so your tensioner is a loop you tie which is really simple it's basically like a hitch and so that loop is how you adjust your tension you pull the the lever up which is a step and cam it over and it sucks to the tree. So as long as you don't break the Cambrian layer of the tree, it's legal in all 50 states on public land because it doesn't harm the tree. Okay. The, the trick is you got to get a rope around the tree, be able to get a rope around the tree, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. And they're just under a pound a piece and they all stack together. So, you know, a set of eight steps is like the size of a 12 pack. And ladies um, and gentlemen, Andrew sent me a set of these that are going to be auctioned off with proceeds going to uh hunters for access so just so you know that a andrew is a contributor to our hunt our hunters for access program so thank you for that andrew and uh and, and one thing i i like about i might i might actually be the one that bids the highest on them i want because i or i might just buy some other ones from you because Nobody has spent more time free falling out of a tree while bow hunting than me. I have a long history of falling out of tree stands or falling out of trees while trying to climb into tree stands. And since moving to Montana, uh, the biggest, uh, the biggest mistake for me is 
climbing cottonwoods and not getting my pegs, my tree climbing pegs through the cambium into the, what do you call oh, it? Yeah. Heartwood or through the bark into the heartwood. Or, yep. and, and then the bark, the chunk of bark comes off, you know, yep. with these, you don't have to worry about that. That's the beauty about our whole system, you know, with especially the steps is you can climb any tree, you know, because if you're climbing with climbing sticks, you have a one foot to two foot stick that you have to get, you know, on a tree where the steps, you can run circles around the tree. You can put them where whatever position you want. So it could be your climbing system. Then it also, um, so we basically sell all every, any product you need to climb a tree, whether you're hunting out of a tree stand or whether you're saddle hunting and we have all the saddle hunting gear to ascend and descend trees. Um, but the re reality of the steps is they can also be used as your platform. So your ring of steps around the tree. So with my system, I use them to climb. I use them as my platform with an additional platform. I use it as my, I have a step up in my chest. That is my, basically my, oh shit grip, but it also holds my bow hanger, my backpack. Range okay. Finder. So when you say platform, you're hunting out of a saddle. Yes. But you have steps around the tree. Correct. That, for to allow you to, what? Well, yeah. Okay. I'm with yeah, you. The steps are like stirrups because when you're in a saddle, you're basically your feet are, are maneuvering your body around the tree and your hips are maneuvering your weapon. So okay. picture rolling your hips to move your shoulders, your gun, bow, whatever, and then your feet are to get around the tree. Yep. So the cool thing about the steps is you can shove your heels in the steps like a stirrup and you're not going to do a whoopty daisy or you can show. Oh, that makes sense. And when I use steps on my saddle, the, yeah, the, my feet get a little sore. I imagine yeah. that wouldn't be as bad with these. Right. Yep. Uh, so that's, so yeah, we, and, that's and, 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 and wild edge, your company also makes saddles. Yep. Yeah. So we started with, with steps and then it was kind of cool to the journey we went through when I was selling the steps, I was basically bashing my head against the wall, wondering how people make business work. You know, I got a wildlife biology degree and I jumped into marketing and production work, manufacturing. So needless to say, I had no clue what, uh, what the hell I was doing and couldn't afford a coffee. But one day my dad brought his buddy over to show him my shop and he's, you know, they're having a couple of beers walking around and my dad's buddy was very successful. Um, Self-made first job was at Arby's turned into multimillionaire. So his name is Mike John. Wait, so he, he, wait he what? He was, he's a self-made millionaire. From what? I would say he started, like I'm saying, his first job when he was a kid was at Arby's. The, oh, okay. I thought you meant he was like the CEO of Arby's. No, no he's like a, he's a recruiter now. So he has his own company that for recruiting. Oh. Yeah. So okay. he, all of a sudden, you know, he, he goes, he's asked me numbers and I go, well, I had a leftover inventory from Jim that I sold at this amount in two days. He goes, what? And I told him the numbers again. He goes, holy shit. He goes, all right, what do you need? I'm like, I need money. Goes, okay, how many I years in were you in at, at this point? I was already a year in. So, I'm And, and how many years in are you now? Eight. Okay. See, I was working side jobs, making cash to pay rent, to do this, to pay for product. I was still traveling with White Buffalo, doing the deer work as a contractor. So I was in and out all over the place, but long story short, one day, so this guy, Mike, who was my investor, he was also a lot of successful guys, wealthy guys. Once they reach a point where they've made it, they always want to strive for more. So they, they get into coaching and being coached by more successful men on how to become more successful and then better their life. 
and their health and they do this whole revolve and then they become coaches. Um, so I'm talking like David Bayer kind of guys. So he actually had a life coach type dudes. Yeah. And yep. gales. But like, let's invest this many millions to make this many millions kind of thing. Okay. Um, so he, he would do these classes. So he got, he got a hold of a, he would do classes on how to be a venture capitalist. Basically. Yes. And, okay. but these classes I'm taught they're they could be $10,000. They could be a hundred thousand dollars to attend. So he comes back with all this information and he gives it to my sister and I says, here, do this program by David Bayer called mind hack. So I'm sitting there in my, in my office, my first shop. I'm like, screw it. Let's give this a whirl. It started with like some meditation stuff and some like, wow, really? And I'm sitting there going, well, fuck it. Let me, let me give this a whirl. What do I got to lose? So, that, you know, picture your life in five years, picture your life in seven years, picture your life in 10 years. What does your life look like? Look at the details. I saw my shop that I just built two year, three years ago. I saw my long driveway. I saw the house. I saw some kids. I got two they, weird shit. But the moral of that was he goes, now let's find your niche. Focus on your niche. What is your niche within your company? Because if you can reach this percentage in your niche of that overall percentage of the population that you're selling to, blah, 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 7% of X amount of million is still a lot of fucking money. So going through this. So I'm like, niche, niche. What is my niche? Everyone's telling me if you do steps, we can climb trees for hunting. We know that. Guys want to use them to climb coconut trees to pick coconuts so the coconuts don't fall and dent a car, kill somebody, oh. right? So um, you, you use these steps for other applications outside of hunting. Yeah. And it was or just people weird. do. Your customers do. do, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like I had a, comp- a wildlife biologist from Malaysia order a ton of steps because they were climbing trees, studying some uh, endangered species of birds. People up in Canada climbing trees to harvest chaga mushrooms. So all kinds there's of trees. A, there's a mushroom that grows up in the canopy? Yeah, it's chaga mushroom. Like up in the north. Northern. Have you ever eaten one? No, I don't think so. Damn, that's are... interesting. I, I yeah. know a fair bit about mushrooms. I, I uh, It's a hobby of mine to pick uh, and eat mushrooms. So, Almost positive it's called chaga. I didn't know there was a mushroom that grew up in the tree. Yeah, so they were using the steps because it's portable, lightweight, and they can zip up a tree, harvest their stuff, and come down. Without so, scarring it or putting a hole in it or anything? Yep. Sailboat masses, guys were using them for, making little rubber ends on the steps so they didn't puncture the wood of the mass. Okay. So I had all these ideas like, okay, we could do this, we could do that. Tree houses for kids. You know, everybody gives you all these ideas and your head's spinning. Well, let's focus on the niche. So this was like 2016. So I'm like, or 17. I'm like, okay, niche. Well, mobile hunting, saddle Oh, wait, hunting. do you eat these things? I would assume so. Or they make okay. chocolate tea, right? Oh, so maybe it's a toadstool. And then they, I'm seeing, you're, you're right. It's C-H-A-G-A, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And. They grow like 15. You no, know, I mean, obviously toadstools grow on trees. We all have seen that. I wonder yeah. if it's, and I, I mean, the toadstool is just like a mushrooms that's super hard. Right. You know? The white one. And maybe they somehow grind those down and make a tea. I'll have to look into it when we're not, when you're not it's, telling I me. guess it's really good for you too. Oh, okay. Okay. So anyway, carry, carry on. I'm sorry. I just got, I got fired up about this. Oh, no. <laughs> I just um, was picturing like a, a portabella growing up in a tree, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's some cool stuff people are doing with the steps. Um, but yeah. so I focus on the, the niche, and I'm like, okay, now you got niche. me thinking. If there's some yeah. 
market you're not capitalizing on. There's always a market for everything. Um, so niche saddle hunting, nobody was doing it. It wasn't cool. It wasn't around, you know, it was, it was around back in the eighties for a short lived while Anderson, the greens tree saddle and the Anderson tree sling. And my buddy had a tree sling and I messed around with it a couple of times, you know, it was kind of funny looking, but I saw the advantages of it. I'm like, Oh, cool. So I bought an old, uh, arborist saddle and I modified it with my army pads in it and I made a sling and I said, cause I, the reason I got into that was I went to a peninsula where I wanted to hunt with a kayak and my bow. And I quickly realized I got to get above the frag to get a shot. Cause it's impenetrable ship. So I'm like, I'm not getting a tree stand in here. So I'm like, ah, saddle. So that's what got me into it. I was doing it. Everybody thought I was crazy. You know, you got trade shows swinging around and people are like, what are you doing? Um, so that was my niche saddle hunting. So mm. once so we were the, you know, we were in the beginning of the pioneer stage of, we were one of three companies that started the whole saddle hunting. And this is about eight years ago. Well, it didn't, it picked up, I'd say around 2019, 20 is when saddle hunting picked up. Yeah. So I started in 17, so 17, 18, yeah. ramped up 19. That, that's probably about when I got my first one was probably 15, six, my, I still the only one I've ever had. I, I meant to look at it to tell you what, who manufactured it, but I forgot. It, what's it made of? But yeah, it's weird how it's become like a lifestyle. Yeah. It's so weird because what a weird, what a thin thing to have a it's, lifestyle around. You don't have yeah. your lifestyle around your bow or your tent. And it's silly because I say I get frustrated because all the reviewers and YouTubers, not every guy, it's like everybody wants to be an expert on climbing a tree and they're the expert on that gear and how to climb that tree. And they do it so efficiently and so cool and everything matches and everything's awesome. Their camo matches, their gear is shiny and glow in the dark and they've got their headlamp and everything is so perfect and they sell the shit out of it, right? Because they're good salesmen, but they never kill anything. Mm. So how can you tell me that's effective and good equipment for the objective of hunting, which is to kill and bring home meat. So how can you tell me this gear is the best of the best you're Wait, not- you're talking about hunting influencers that pedal tree cells that don't kill anything? Uh, those or just just the guys that are talking about the gear, the owners of the company. You know, it's mainly oh. the pro staff guys, all these guys online that are pushing the products, whether they're paid or unpaid. And it's like, dude, how can you be an expert on using, like, that's only one part of it, right? Like, everyone's so focused on climbing the tree, they forget they're hunting. Right. That's what frustrates me. There's yeah. many ways climb a tree. And to be honest, do you need to climb a tree to kill a deer? No. Does it give no, you, you don't, but I've never killed a whitetail from the ground with a bow. Really? Well, that's probably because like I never try. Yeah, it's I a just blast. I just grew up doing it out of a tree, and the whole prospect is intimidating. Yeah. I just don't think there's anything, there's not a game animal a lot. There's not a ga- species of game animal that's more wary than a white tail freaking deer right like a four-year-old white tail doe oh yeah freaking forget about it man so So yeah i i should try sometime but it's a blast and that's how i that's i joke i was like yeah i've been mobile hunting my whole life you know how i mobile hunted when i was a kid you take your boots off so you get frustrated you're not seeing anything you get down you take your boots off and you move quick people are like what you, so you can walk in your socks and be quiet. Oh, it's like. Or you ever, you so you, have you ever snuck up on a white teal deer and shot it? Oh, I've, I've probably shot more deer on the ground than in a tree. By, by sneaking around, like still hunting. Yep. 
Really? I love it. Rainy day is the best, but a crunchy day you would think is the worst could be the best too. You just walk like a squirrel. Is it pretty thick? Where you doing I, this? Yeah, I got well, I live I live right in the River Valley, the Connecticut River Valley, right in my backyard. So that's why I have some of the best hunting in Connecticut right here. Um, but yeah, so I'm hunting anywhere from swampy river bottoms um to you know, with muck up to your balls to um, wide open hardwoods, mountain mm. world, ledgy, cliffy. So with a gun, you'll never ever find me in a tree. Rarely ever. Mm-hmm. Cause I just yeah. feel like I'm being handicapped. Yeah. I have a high power rifle in my hands, you know, right. Sure on the ground. But yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm not, man, I, I hunt. The only thing I hunt with a bow on the ground walking around is elk. Even antelope, I sit that just usually sit at a water hole and wait for them. I'm just not good at sneaking up on shit, but I'm excellent at suffering. Yeah. Like I'll sit in a little hut on a 95 degree day for 12 hours waiting for an antelope to come through, you know, or up in my saddle from dark to dark, you know, freeze my ass off. Um, but, you know, I, I do, I, for elk, I do. Uh, that's what I do. 80% of my hunting is on my feet hunting out. Yeah. So I do it. I just don't have a lot of confidence when it comes to deer, white, whitetail deer and antelope. Yeah, antelope right aren't even that bad. They're not that, they're not as nearly as cued in as the whitetail deer. And sometimes they kind of get curious and come in even when they see you. But it's, just, it's the open ground aspect of it makes it so hard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's like around here, there's no agriculture. There's no crop fields. You know, the only ag we have is hay. Mm. Cut hay. So there's there's no such thing as glassing for deer around here because you're not going to glass a three-acre field, right? Mm. So it's... Do they put up round bales there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, that's... A few I've, years ago, I shot a antelope by... It was a probably 160-acre field, uh, field with a bunch of round bales, and I just went... From round bale to round bale, and then, then poked out and shot him. Oh, so yeah, I did sneak up on an antelope. That was there the only go. one. Yeah, the only <laughs> one ever. But not a whitetail. Not a whitetail. No, no, no. Yeah, you know, I there's been times where I felt like, oh, I should just sit right there next to the trail. There's no good trees in this area, but if I sit right there. I should be able to get a poke when he comes through, but I can't bring myself to do it because I lack, lack the confidence. Well, I look at it, it's like, the, when's the best time to scout? When shit's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But spring scouting and the summer scouting and the winter scouting, it's like, okay, any time in the woods is good, but you want to know what's going on currently right now and then forecast it for the next year. The next year you're there. Yeah, that's oh, the absolutely. That's when you get your best data. So that's when I, you figure I, out, oh, how many people hunt in that area, for example. Yeah. Yep. Or you find good sign on October 25th, you know, you know, okay, that sign already happened. So I got to be here on the 24th next year or whatever. So I don't even know where I was going with that. Yeah. Was I the Can't help you. Well, we were just talking about hunting on the ground for whitetail. What a bitch it seems like to me. Oh yeah. No. And it was a good, sorry. It was a good, it's a good excuse to scout, right? Cause think how much you're picking up on when you're still hunting. So if you think you're going fast, you're going way too fast. You know, it's not like elk where you can 
you can make noise right when you're calling mm -hmm. sneaking up on a deer or but i also do a lot of calling when i'm on the ground still hunting as well because then you can make it more realistic just like elk hunting breaking you, you'll rattle and 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 blow on a grunt call and stuff like that oh yeah mainly grunt call okay yeah, yeah. i have a blast oh that sounds like fun man oh you're getting ex me excited from, for hunting season now oh yeah uh, I get to go hunting in two weekends, two weeks from now, because our antelope right. season o opens in, in mid-August. Nice. That's what's yeah. cool about, you know, if I could pick up my whole family, I'd be out in Montana or Idaho in a mm. heartbeat. The cool thing is you guys have so many different big game species to hunt. Yeah. You know, Here. it is nice, but, like, now that I've done it for a long time, I, I could be very content just hunting white-tailed deer in the Midwest, yeah. you know? Yeah. I know after a while it becomes about the process. Right. More True. than the species to me, at least. I often yeah, wonder after living out West for 25 years, could I go back to Michigan taking what I've learned here and apply it there in some way, you know? Right. Yeah. Um. So you've struggled with your business some like you've had some major ups and downs is there anything to explore there yeah it's that's that's what got me interested in your podcast a buddy of mine sent me uh, one of your clips and it hit me because he knows i'm we're always venting about the industry and yes i came into it thinking all right hunting industry well, i'm from a small town i grew up farming i have my own little farm so it's like I went my high graduating class was a class of I think we had 90 kids. So small. Everybody knows everybody. A handshake actually means something. I started this company with a handshake to his well, Jim 78 to a 70-year-old man. So I trusted he, his he's, hand. he's since died, right? No, he's still around. He's 78. Oh. Yeah, okay. I was just with I don't know what gave me that impression, but no, he's still around. Um does he still hunt? Oh yeah. Yeah, we just killed. Does he still? Down. Does he still climb up on those stairs? Oh yeah. Oh geez, that's great. Yep, he's on from the ground this year. He got lime in his leg, messed that up. His bad. Leg. Oh, what in his leg? He has a prosthetic leg from Vietnam. That's why he invented the steps. Oh, that's right. That's right. He had to bring the yeah. leg up one at a time, and then the bad leg. Uh huh. So he, and then he he broke it. He's seventy eight, but he acts like he's a fifty year old man. Like he's mm -hmm. in shape for seventy eight with one one leg. Like the that's guys cool. The that's cool. It's down here January. But it's so cool to see. Here's a 78-year-old man. hunting. He was hunting up from the ground, made him a little ground blind with a crossbow, and he shoots a spike, a year-and-a-half-old spike. And you should have seen the smile on that guy's face. <laughs> 78 years old. And he was so pumped, you would have thought he shot a 180. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? Like, I think I'll be that way. It's I'm. I just. I'm never got. It's never. The excitement's never gone away from me. Part of it's because like I just love to have some meat in the freezer. You know, I can't imagine right. that part of it going away. But yeah, yeah. It's this. Yeah, there's meat hunters, but it, it was cool. That's oh, but anyway, awesome. The frustrations. It's like you know, you think that a handshake is worth a shit. And then you get into the industry and you realize it is well, with some people. I'll tell you that it is with me. Yes, you know, there are 
there are still some good people in this world. I'll, I'll but, let you finish, but I got a, a story I'll tell you in a, in a second that it, okay. there's another. Yeah, so I, I got. I just immediately started getting burned so many times. Like, you know, as simple as when you start, you reach out to the guys you've looked up to your whole lives, right? The Drury's, the Tom Miranda's, this guy, that guy, and obviously you don't get a response, right? Or you get a thanks for all set. Like, you know, I'm just trying to learn, like pick their brains. Can we do something together, work together? Is there anything we can do? Like, I'm just, I don't know what to do. Like, let's figure it out. Like you're hustling. Yeah. And I'm talking to this guy and that guy. And then you finally find someone. The first person to really listen to me was Dean Partridge. He's up in Saskatchewan and he has a show, Canadian Whitetail TV. And it's the one and only show. Like I never watch TV, but when I I was living with my mother-in-law. She had the DVR thing, and I learned how to use that, so I recorded every one of those episodes. The only show on the Outdoor Network I watched because it was so professional, so clean. Every shot was perfect. Every shot was a double long. Every There was no crying. There was no hooting and hollering. It was completely professional. You know, you get a little smile here and there, but it's not this crying, thanking Jesus, thanking the Lord. Thanking yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the people like people sick. are having a like a, a epileptic fit yeah yeah, yeah. so the, he was a total opposite of that so he actually reached out to him didn't get back to me at first reached out again i was like hey dean i'm gonna be up in near the norquay area saskatchewan duck hunting with a bunch of buddies i'll be up there for 10 days any way i could you know come show you my product he got back to me he's like yeah absolutely come on up so I talked to him. He's like, I'm five hours from you. So I drove five hours west from Norquay to towards Saskatoon to uh, Dean and met him in a parking lot. He's like, yeah, follow me to the house. Went to his house. He's like, yep, yeah, well, come on in. I said, he's like, I got to go shower. You want to go hunting tonight? Like, yeah. He's like, you know how to run a camera? I know how to hit record. He's like, perfect. So I hopped in deer blind with him and hunted. Just a cool down to earth dude. And he's talking about the industry because he gets so much flack for baiting. Um, so we're talking about that and he's just a good dude, right? He's just got the right character, right? Values, morals, just everything, just a solid guy that you can trust. He helped me a lot along the way. Um, but he's one of the few. And then you start talking to other companies and yeah, we're going to do this. Then you get promised the world. Well, it wasn't a handshake, but it was an agreement over the phone. Right. So you think it means something that you just get backstabbed. Um, then you get the lawyer sent loose on you because everybody like starts to talk to you, opens the subject and then they're, they're in the right and left field, they're waiting for a better opportunity. What's okay. That's, that's business, right? So you maybe would they would be say courting a relationship with you with your tree saddles, and they're going to promote them for you and stuff. And then somebody else comes along with another tree saddle or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's it's like when uh, so in the beginning it was me tethered an arrow hunter. So tethered and I, uh, Greg, the owner, he was the biggest promoter of my steps. He had his own YouTube channel before he started tethered the company. Biggest promoter. He had the most used promo codes I've ever had still to this day in history. He had over eight, eight or 900 promo codes used for a discount in my store. He loved my product that much and talked about it that much. So he came out with the saddle. I didn't have saddles yet. So, hey, dude, I got the climbing system. You got the saddle. Boom. Merge. We co-work together, spot, whatever we do, we grow. Simple. And then I just get pushed around, lead around, you know pushed off, pushed up, nothing's happening. Boom. I get pushed away. They go with somebody else. They do this, they do that. Okay. Got it. What kind of step did the per the company they went with use? So this was all, they were dragging me on. They weren't making any moves. Right. So then I got approached and then it was 
pretty much it was obvious, you know, when you see all the celebrities getting a saddle and the company, I'm the company they wanted to work with. And I haven't gotten one of their saddles yet to test. And yeah, all these yeah, celebrities, yeah, big yeah, names, yeah. hey, Drew, you didn't get your saddle yet? What the fuck? I'm like, no. School teachers, all these guys getting saddles. I'm like, uh, something's fishy. So Arrow Hunter, another company contacted me. Hey, would you, uh, or no, I contacted them. I said, hey, do you have any saddles? I'm going to the Iowa Deer Classic. Do you have any saddles I could sell? I'll sell them for you, give you X percent. And I can make a package deal. Did I sold out in the first day of saddles. So you're selling their saddles along with your steps. Yep. To make okay. the complete package, everything okay. you need. So that was always my goal. So then Tether gets all pissy at that. At the same time, I'm coming. Cause, out oh, because first- you, you're like, so, well, I'm going to sell with these other, because I don't know, you guys are never getting back to me. Yeah, drag right? your feet. Yeah. I'm moves. I got to do something. So I didn't sign any papers. I'm just selling these other saddles. They got pissy. And then I'm coming out with my new product. It's called the Perch Platform. It goes into a step. And it, so basically, your step becomes a bigger platform. It's a pound and a quarter made of 6061 aluminum. I tried inventing a. Oh, so platform. this would be something that you'd stand on once you got up where you want as high up as right. you wanted to hunt. Yes. Okay. So I had a, a buddy of mine, Matt Garris from Out on a Limb, another guy that handshake. We did patent agreements together, that kind of guy, really solid dude. He helped me invent it. So we invented this perch together. My first product, I'm releasing it the next day. It was like April 1st, I was releasing it on. And this was a couple of years ago now? This was 2019. Okay. Saddle hunting was like on the up, but it hadn't exploded yet. So I I was so pumped and I did a a pre-order and I sold an ungodly amount of product that one day, um, but rewind the day before the night before I get a call from Greg Godfrey, the owner of tethered. And it's, you know, we're going to, we, we have a pending patent. Uh, you know, we, I know you release the product tomorrow, but you know, it's, it's infringing on our potential patent of our platform. Uh, Cause they're talking about the angle of the wings and this and that. And they're like, you know, maybe you should put some money to the side for uh cost and, you know, for when you got, when our patent comes through and then we can work out this deal and, I'm like sitting there going, what the, f- what Wait, you're the one that designed the thing. Yes. And I got a call from my competitor who wanted to work with me saying you're infringing on our patent. You had, you were, we're going to set, you're going to get a letter in the mail from our lawyer with a cease and desist. You cannot continue selling this product. So I said, Oh, that's interesting. How, how did, how can they even pretend that they're the ones that invented it? Well, they were trying to say that I was infringing on their patent that is pending which means their application was submitted but it has not been approved and they so, but they stole your idea design idea and submitted a oh, patent request why i was so confused and why i was so pissed off is because mine looks like this little bat wing like this little batmobile toy like weird and crazy angles and this little tiny thing theirs is a box that you stand on like a mini tree stand with these little wings these little tips Okay, so did they come up with that idea on their own? I guess, but they okay. were trying to. All right, that's any, so they, they came up. They were like, "It'd be nice to have a more comfortable step once you get up there." You oh, yeah, were like, totally, yeah. "Yeah, no copying." They didn't copy me. I didn't copy okay. that. I got you. Okay, but we're talking. We're comparing a Volkswagen Beetle to a Dually F five fifty. Yeah, so different. But they're trying to patent the angle at which you place your foot. So an angle that is anything less than 160 degrees. <laughs> okay. So he's like, you're getting a letter for cease and desist. So I'm like, okay, F you, Greg, good talk. Hung up the phone. And of course I got the letter 
And I'm new to this. I, I thought it was like, like, holy shit, what did we do? So thank God my best friend's wife is a patent attorney. So she oh. saved me a ton of money. But I every time I talk to her boss, it's $650 an hour. Oh, so wow. I still had to spend a lot of money. And, to get, and then I'm like, okay, what do we do? How do you defend yourself? So I went to school on patents. I learned so much about patents and trademarks and copyrights and everything. And it is so crazy. It all comes down to exactly how you word it. So how good your lawyer is at writing things, at describing and how you, the key words of what you're trying to patent. So I said, well, screw it. Let's patent the perch. So we did. And then every platform I got, they sent me another letter for cease and desist. Every new platform I came out with, which was based on those same angles, but just a different shape or way you attach it to the tree. And then again, we had to do it. And then I started digging more and I found out I had prior art and all this. And, you know, we're, we're worried about, okay, if their patent gets approved before ours, what are we going to do? So they're tracking that. Meanwhile, I'm paying these lawyers to do all this. So I could have bought my kids a brand new Denali for their 16th birthday if I had not gone through this bullshit, right? Yeah. So I'm all about spending money and making an investment, but I don't like wasting money. No, I and yeah. wasting money to defend yourself on something that is total BS. Mm -hmm. So long story short, my patent was approved before theirs. So I don't get any letters anymore. But there's one example of just cutthroat. You know, let's just instead of competing with our competition with innovation, let's just crush them with lawyer fees. So they did that. To yeah. Others. Okay. Let me let me ask a clarifying question before we go forward. Yeah, I could see where a, a company that's got more capital could yeah. you know it could make things very troublesome for a smaller company through by yeah. you know law, lawsuits and whatnot but uh how is it that they got i'm hoping this is interesting to the listener it, is, it sure is to me how is it that they got their patent you got your patent approved first when they started the process first because they kept getting rejected Oh, my patent based on what because the patent was too broad or, or or what i don't i don't know details because my attorney will sit there and she can watch she can watch it's all public knowledge united states patent service you can go online and you can watch what patents are pending which means they're not valid they mean nothing when they're pending so when someone says patent pending that means they're trying to patent it and their mm -hmm. patent application is in the hands of the united states patent office okay. so they, so I guess theirs kept getting sent back and they're fixing it or whatever happened. And mine just by chance went smooth sailing right through. So as of December 27th, 2022, I had an approved patent. So that was just not too long ago. Yeah. So that's when the patent game came along. And then uh, another company, it, you know, and the shit thing, the reason I'm saying names right now is because when was that? 1920 for three years, I had to keep my mouth shut. I couldn't say a word to the public about this. Um, I couldn't, I, I could say nothing because then you can get hit with the cost and damages um, for talking in public about another company and this and that. So I was basically told to shut up and I did. And then I went and I was still working with Arrow Hunter, the saddle company. They make Arbor saddles, rock climbing saddles and hunting saddles. They're already in the game. They've been around forever. So I, I love them. Great Oregon people still they were great people designed and they said you want to design a wild a wild edge saddle made by arrow hunter absolutely so i had a blast with them designing a new saddle and 
coming out with one and then all right we're talking numbers how many can we get ready for an for a pre for a you know when they're ready for sale for the the big opener uh had you been was this your first foray into designing a saddle i had been trying for years but i finally got the right company because i had prototype after prototype of just people that knew how to sew but i could never find a manufacturer that would under liability standards make a tree hunting saddle for me because it was unheard of like you're gonna do what with it because then there's all these criteria for like rock climbing and arborist uh, Mm. all the the certifications the weight all this stuff where hunting there really isn't any Mm -hmm. Um, so we were talking numbers like all right we're getting ready to release this how many can you supply me with a month and like all right we're we're talking around 200 to 250 i'm like all right that'd be awesome individual saddles around 200 250 cool so i did my my opener my pre-sale i said anybody interested in buying sign up for the list and you'll get first dibs i had a thousand people sign up in less than 24 hours jesus that because i was one of the first saddles on the market so what how many do they send me for my grand opening 25 oh so i stupidly so, so then we you know, how, what can we do? What can we do? And they wouldn't do anything for me. That's the best we can do. So then I'm like, well, okay, well, if you can't do it, then can we find somebody else that can make it? Nope. You signed the agreement with us saying that we're the only ones that can make this for you. I said, can I buy you an employee? Like I'll pay an employee to come into your shop and we're going to make my saddles. Nope. Okay. Do we need a lawyer? Yep. Okay. I had to pay them around $25,000 to take my name off of a piece of paper that I signed just because they sent me an agreement when we were making these saddles. I just signed my name. Awesome. We're working together. Good. What people. were they trying to accomplish? Basically they were my supplier and my competitor. So for years I had sold them. I had sold thousands of their saddles. I had prototyped them. I had helped them into design phases. I promoted on, I marketed it. I used it in every one of my videos. I talked about it. I talked about it. That only company for three years I talked about, talked about, talked about, promoted, pushed, helped happily. Everything mm-hmm. worked great together. They couldn't do the numbers. And they basically gave up. Okay. So you I, have I, a pretty I, big I, following on social media. Is that how you were able to sell them? Really? I was, I would. I was gifted. What do you want to call it? I got lucky being one of the OGs of the industry. So when saddle hunting went boom, before that, there was one form, saddlehunterforum.com. Everybody talking. It was so cool because everybody worked together, brainstormed. Hey, where do you get this rope from? You get this from REI, this from EMS. We got to get this from this black diamond, that from Petzl. Put it all together to make this. Get that arborist saddle, modify it like this. Everybody worked together. It was so cool. And then companies came out. Me, Arrow Hunter, Tether. Okay. First game. So we're the OGs. So when there's only three companies talked about and something's getting so popular, every Facebook forum has your company name in it. I see. Only that three to sense. talk about. Yeah. So we were doing well. Okay. Um, so I had to pay money to get out of an agreement. I signed. I don't even know. So I learned that your attorney has to look at agreements before you sign them. I was just thought, <laughs> good, good old boy. We're just agreeing to not screw each other. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm every bit that I am every bit that naive. Unlike you, I don't have any good ideas that are worthy of pursuing. But I'm every bit that naive that I would just. Yeah, but it was just once again. Here I am throwing money, throwing it at these attorneys, and to get out of this agreements and stuff when we could have just washed hands and been like, "All right, you couldn't supply me. I understand. 
best of luck. Let's move on. Instead, I got to give you $25,000 so I can make my own saddle with somebody else who can supply me, who I can pay and they can make for me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then I had to keep my mouth shut. So that whole, I'm talking and everybody thinks agreements happen like that. Dude, that took over a year. Mm. It's just agreement. It's crazy. I'm Cause this lawyer talks, Oh, we want this amount of money. Nope. We want this money. Nope. Nope. No, nope. I'm back and forth and this and that. And so I had to keep my mouth shut about that too. So I have this brand new saddle that was so famous, the Yarrick. Yarrick is a falcon return for a bird of prey that is in the best physical fit condition to go hunt. They are Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I love that name. And Arrow Hunter, they had their saddles named after all kinds of different falcons. The Kestrel, the Kite. Um, so I kind of kept it on with the Yarrick. It was so cool. But here I am getting all this interest, all these people pumping people up. Um, with this, and I'm so proud. This saddle is my baby. Like the steps were already invented. I was just selling them. This saddle I made, I invented. Yeah. I thought me and a bunch of hardcore bow hunters, we just we absorbed it. It's all we talked about for months. And we tested them and hunted with them and got them bloody and dirty. And it was so fun. And I and then everybody, well, what happened to the arc? Uh, it's coming. Stay stand by. Well, as I stood by, all these other companies started coming in and exploding mm. and by the time i could open my mouth it's too late wow everyone thinks i you know oh wild edge was lying they said they had a big inventory they probably only had a couple this is bullshit f wild edge and i'm sitting there like wanting to say i got screwed guys they told yeah. me 250 a month that means you guys only would have had to wait a couple months if all of you just signed up so what am i gonna do with 25 but i couldn't say a word so here i am Mr. Fucking getting in trouble because I open my mouth all the time. I got to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Just say how it is. But it was weird. And then it then you're like, well, who can you trust? Right. And then you learn like all the big industry guys, all the celebs, they're in like like inner circle. Right. And it's like the I compared a lot. I don't want to get into politics, but it's so comparable to politics and the social structure of society. That is the hunting realm, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm starting to wonder if the hunting world's like especially sleazy, but, um, well, the way my wife puts it, my wife is a sixth grade English teacher, sixth grade. So she says she works with a ton of left wing as liberal as it gets teachers. She works with them. And she said, she goes, these are a bunch of women, women, left wing, woke, whatever you want to call them. Total opposite of my wife. And she goes, Drew, there is less drama in my school than I've seen with you and grown ass bearded men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me, you then you decided to supply yourself. Now you yeah. manufacture your own. Yep. And that so started how long ago? Uh, the saddles are actually made by Kong. So Kong is a climbing. Oh, you don't, ma- you don't manufacture them yourself. I don't make the saddles. You I make the steps. Okay. Metal products. Yep. So we just brought the steps in house um, six months ago. So I just okay. began production a, week, a couple of days ago, actually. What's the name of the company that makes the saddles again? Kong, K O N G. Oh, okay. And have they been pretty reliable and straightforward with they you? They are awesome. They're the best, the best, one of the best companies I work with. What do they do? It, do they just sew anything? Like so they, so Kong is a uh, arborist and rock climbing company. So they're making oh, rescue. Okay. Okay. Rock okay. Climbing. 
they have a factory in Italy that they're machining. Every carabiner I buy from them is machined by them, made by them. Every ascender, mechanical ascender, everything. Like they are, Italy is known for their metalworking big time. Okay. And, but there's a lot so, more cloth than there is metal on one of these things. They're doing the sewing as well. Oh, yeah. So that's all that side, the carabiner, the hardware side. And they make my saddle because they've been making harnesses for, uh, I don't even know how long, forever. You know, the company is found in 18 something. So okay. they've been in the textile sewing industry. So already I have a manufacturer that makes rescue climbing harnesses. Cause that was the other scary thing about the industry is when saddle hunting got big, you had so many guys buying, you know, the grandma's sewing machine and spitting saddles out in their basement. Yeah. So from a performance standpoint, what, what do you tell people that are asking you why they should buy your saddle instead of somebody else's? It's all quality. And I tell, so my biggest thing, um, like the Harrisburg great American outdoor show last two years, I've had a ton of competitors there. I was usually alone, um, in the archery hall last, last two years I had tethered trophy line. Um, I'm having a brain fart and two others latitude and another one all in the same hall as me. Mm-hmm. So I was all worried the first year, like, Oh, I'm wondering what my sales are going to be. I did better the last two years than I've ever done. I did better with competition because I would have customers come to me. They said, the first question is, what, what's the diff? Why, why, why should I buy yours? Just like you asked, why? And I go, okay, check it out. So I open the saddle. I say, check it out. It's all about quality, right? So this is what you're going to look for. Quality, comfort, versatility, reliability. I want to take my gear and be able to just hum it out of the tree, smashing the bed of my truck. Like I use my stuff hard. This is what you're going to look for. Look at this stitching. Look at this. When you put the saddle on, try on every saddle that's here. When you put it on, this is what you're going to look for. You want the comfort here, there. I explain the whole thing. I break it down. I say, when you're done, come back here and try out mine. They pretty much always come back and they tell me, I tried on every saddle here and I want this one. You are so right. So it's, it's all about quality. It's just pride and quality is what we do. And that's why this every, that's why 90% of the stuff is made in house. Mm-hmm. it's all handled by me yeah just 90 percent of the steps oh, oh yeah or do you do do you do any of the stuff so with the saddle? i don't okay. saddles i tie so they they come just the seat and basically how it is i tie the bridge on okay which is through the tree so i'm handling okay. every saddle that comes in and out so yeah, it's just quality and knowing where it's coming from right so and how long has wild edge been selling saddles we started in well, three years now. Okay. Is it growing? Yeah. It's just, I've, I've been crushed by the competition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, you got to hope that the cream rate rises to the top. And that's the thing. And I'm, I'm more focused on just educate our, our marketing push this year is educating. So that's, why I've been doing little get togethers at the shop or shop days. So guys can come and try stuff out, you know, work with me, climb the tree, it's because it's so hard for a new guy to come in. They get so absorbed into YouTube. And then you got guys talking about how to climb a tree with one stick, how to repel, how to do all this crazy stuff. And people get so confused when my, my model is keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right. Climbing a tree should not be complicated. Hunting is complicated, not climbing yeah. a tree. Right, right, right. Unless you're me. Uh, but <laughs> so you advertise it at trade shows. How else do you get the word out? Uh, social media, basically all social media. I've done everything, uh, social media and magazine ads. Okay. 
magazine ads. I've done everything. I've hired big marketing companies. I've paid them a lot of money. Then that really didn't work out because I didn't know what the hell I was paying for. Mm -hmm. um, so really, it's the biggest and a lot of it is word of mouth. I mean, I have my customer basis is it's not the 25 year old who wants a free flat brim hat and a sticker and all his climbing sticks to be fluorescent orange. Like that's not my customer and who wants to save 150 bucks. My customers are the 40 to 75, 80 year old man who has the money and appreciates quality USA made veteran owned family run business. Like guys like that appreciate and understand it where a kid's like, Oh, they don't care. Well, I, your, your stuff isn't that expensive. Right. Like, and we're, I mean, your saddle, what is what your saddle re retail as for 50? Two I paid more for more than that for mine ten years ago. Yeah, and I'll do a sale. Well, I'd usually do sales at two fifty. Um, like, what are some of the other manufacturers selling them for? Well, you think about it. So, a lot of the climbing sticks, you buy one climbing stick for a hundred dollars. Uh -huh. Right, you can, you can get five of my steps for a hundred dollars. Okay. The man, one. Step. A lot of the trees I hunt. That's all you need because you can use limbs part of the way too. Right, and then well, you throw in now with all the aiders. And the assisted ways to climb. So you now you put one step up above your head, and you can drop a five step aider down. Or oh you have wow! So now oh, so you make something that clips onto that top step. Oh yeah, there's, the there's so many ways. I could with three steps, I could get close to thirty feet. How are you not dominating the step market? Because I'm not paying an ungodly amount of money in marketing and advertising. And are there analogous it. products out there to what you're doing? There's everything else is a, a climbing stick. I have one. There's okay. one. Okay. Okay. It's either sticks or what you're doing. Those are the two, or but or the, the obviously reason, the, the screw in deals that I use. Yeah. So take a climbing stick, climbing stick goes to a tree strap goes around tree. You step on stick. Simple. Mm -hmm. Yep. My step is intimidating. You got to take the step. You've got to tie this knot. Some guys can't chew gum and walk at the same time. I get it. But mm -hmm. the knot's really not that hard. My five-year-old can do it. It's just re re repetition, practicing. So guys, you know, they'll pull the steps out. They'll try it a couple times or they'll buy them. I get the whole set returned with only the one step on top has tree bark in it because they tried it mm -hmm. once, couldn't figure it out. And they gave up. Mm -hmm. I've had guys that I was at the total archery challenge. I had a booth there two years ago. Guy comes up to me, this jacked little guy. He kept looking at me, giving me a side eyeball. I'm like, what's up, man? He goes, I've watched every effing video on your youtube channel of you tying that step and i swear to god i said to myself either he's so full of shit or it's really that easy he goes i tried i tried a couple times i didn't try a lot but he said i got so frustrated i threw those things in the corner i never looked at him again he goes let me try that i gave him a lesson he did it once he's like oh my god so that's a bottleneck for you you got to figure out a way to make that simpler yeah there's well, no way to do it that doesn't require make it tying that knot but it's so simple, like the knot, you, if you tie it correctly and it's on the bag. So you just trace oh. the bag, right? It's right there. You go in, around, and down the loop. Make Some the loop people are pretty knot challenged, you know? That's I seem to have gotten better at knots over the years, but I started out pretty knot challenged. It took me forever to learn how to tie a fucking bowling. Yeah, but now you got this thing, smartphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, how to tie bowling. Man, I was in a hurry the other day. Oh, halibut fishing, and uh, we got I got snagged up with another guy in the boat I was on, and he's waiting for me to get it all on tied. And I took his cut his jig off just to make it easier to get on tied, and I, and I didn't want to tie a 
uh, uni because it would take longer. And uni, you know, works real good with thick line, thick mono. So I just threw a barrel knot on it. And then 20 minutes later, he fights in this halibut and it's dancing around next to the boat. It comes, oh, off, it comes off with a fucking $25 flutter jig in his mouth. Yep. And he pulls it in and there's that telltale little twisty line end that shows the, that just demonstrates beyond any doubt that the line did not break the yep. knot came untied can't tie a knot tie a lot yeah that's that's right like i love rescue. that knot that you guys you i think you use the same one i looked at the one you sent me and mine has it that knot that what is the, what what's it called that allows you to figure eight oh no, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool knot. Yeah, so simple, but works flawlessly. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I'm rooting for you, Andrew, and you know you're one of our companies now. You've uh, made a contribution to Hunters for Access, which is greatly appreciated. Um, I have one of your saddles here. We're going to be making some noise about it more than just on the little podcast we'll also make some noise about it on our little instagram um awesome. in in, up, in upcoming months and here to support you any way i can you're doing the that's right i appreciate thing. you listening because that, that's the biggest thing it's you know i'm competing with guys that are they have levi morgan on their side the best yeah. archer yeah on the well we don't like that we don't like the hero worshiping stuff we're not a, but it's like it's sad when you see like all the new kids coming in and it's like well, who are they going to look up to? Oh, that's exactly. Who are they going to buy from? Because that guy says this, and yeah. it's like, it's yeah, we're not in our little group. Is just not into hunting fame, you know. And right. I, I guess the wager we're making is that because we just think that hunting fame is not good for hunting. So the wager we're making is that people over time start to piece that together that hunting, yeah. hunting fame is not good for hunting. So and then hopefully we can push people that come to that conclusion towards companies like yours you know? right well that's what we're trying to do it's a pipe it's a it's a crapshoot but that's what we're going for it's like the devil's advocate you know social media could be your best friend because it's a free advertising avenue but at the same time it's caustic so as hell <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody yeah. wants to be look at me look at me yeah well hey reach out any anytime if there's anything I'm going to do to help and, and I'm going to go, that. I'm going to go make some dinner right now and see if I can come up with a, another, think about another application for your steps that you haven't come across. Good beer holder too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. So nice chatting with you, Andrew. Have a good night. Yeah, appreciate it. Bye.